Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's good morning here. I suspect it's a great morning in Denver. The Nuggets. <laughs> they came back from a 3-1 deficit and beat the Jazz, wiped out 15-point deficits, all that kind of stuff. Now here they are doing it to the Clippers, too. They were down 19 in the third quarter and came back to win yesterday. Just dominated the Clippers in the second half of that game. Completely dominated them. Game wasn't even close. They caught them with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, pulled away. There was no drama in the final five minutes. <coughs> so that series is now 3-3, and they're going to play a game seven Tuesday night. Big news of the weekend in college football. BYU's had some positive tests, and the game with Army is off. And that's a big old disappointment. Battle of unbeatens, battle of ranked teams. And I know it's low-end unbeatens and low-end ranked teams, but uh, look at the schedule. Look around. It was the best thing we were going to see. That was it right there. BYU was 1-0. Army was 2-0, winning Saturday. And then Saturday, late Saturday afternoon, the news broke. and So the game's not going to happen. BYU's ranked 21st in the media poll, 22nd in the coaches poll. Army's 22-25. and 25. But now Army's looking for a game this weekend. Maybe BYU-Army could be rescheduled to Thanksgiving weekend. That seems like the one date they've got that is open and available. They could play the first week in December, but that's I'm pretty sure the Army coaches are going to want two weeks to get ready for Navy. So, there's that. Get ready for Troy now, a week from Saturday, the home opener for BYU, assuming there's uh, no more positive tests and everything works out well. Um, Today at noon, Kalani Sataki is going to meet with the media on Zoom, so we'll hear from him uh, then. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, David Locke, uh, season-ending chat with him, looking ahead to the offseason, and Joe Ingalls, the man, the myth, the legend, out of the bubble and back in Utah. And we will talk with those two coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. David joins us for his weekly interview, and it is brought to you by Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you, David? Excellent. How are you? Good. Is that friend, partner in crime of yours, your attachment, your radio partner for decades long, number one rated morning show with you this morning? (laughs) Hey, how are you, PK? Great. So we were just discussing Dennis Lindsay and the off-season comments, Justin Zanuck, the two of them meeting with the media via Zoom. 
Welcome to the 21st century in a pandemic. So what was, what was your biggest takeaway from what they said? They want to add a perimeter defender. That was a definitive, you know, they can talk around a lot of points and not in, get into some stuff or address the portion of the question that they like and the portion they want to stay away from, they can stay away from. But I thought definitively they want to add a perimeter defender because if you don't have that, some guy on the other team is going to be going off. And do you have a, so do you have a feeling on the size of that perimeter defender? I sense they want someone in the 6'6 to 6'9 range. Okay. No, that's interesting. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's, it's a complicated concept because, I'm, you know, we, we did give up. Like, we gave up 40 with what felt like some regularity to guards, right? So that's because the guards coming off the pick and Rudy's back and these guards are – becoming incredible and if they're having a good shooting night they're coming off the bounce and rising up and hitting the three. I mean this is just it's the evolution of the game and and these guys are amazing. Like they're just like that's really I mean, it's a you know, they're they're incredibly talented. So I'm trying to figure out like is is that what we're trying to stop with a perimeter defender? Or is it actually just an overall length issue across the board? that would just make it harder for people to run, harder for people to make plays. And you know what? The reality is if you've got the number one rim defender in the league and maybe ever, you're just not going to have him defending at 35 feet very often. And so that you're going to be still susceptible to people going out for 40, but if you're a little longer and you're a little bigger, then you aren't as susceptible to early action transition and you just are a little bit better defensively in every other way. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know which is the right answer here. Because the 6'6 defender guarding Dane Lillard, so it's Tory Craig, probably can't shoot, um, or else it's an all-star. And then can he, you know, Jeremy Grant couldn't stop Donovan Mitchell. He's a pretty good defender. Tory Craig couldn't stop Donovan Mitchell. He's getting hit by a pick. And now... Um, you know, the guy's still getting the shot off, unless you're switching, unless you're going to start, you know, that, that's the answer is you have to switch that pick and roll. And so now Rudy's defending. Well, maybe that's okay, but then, you're, then your other defender's got to be really big. And he's got to be big enough to slide down with whatever big is setting the pick. So um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I know the answer on how that defender fits and, and how that defender's used, I guess is what I'm saying. The thing that I took from their conversation was Dennis and, we have it on obviously on tape where he's talking about with Rudy uh, when they came back and reconvened the season and in the postseason he said that Rudy was different in that he wasn't walking up on referees complaining he wasn't calling for the lob as much and he wasn't uh, offering advice to players uh, as they were walking to the huddle so it was basically an acknowledgement of the issues that they had with Gobert before and they had been, uh, at least to some degree, if not entirely, fixed uh, going forward. Is that something that you were able to see? I know you weren't there personally, but were you aware of that and being able to see that there was a difference there? It's interesting the observation you've made on that first comment, that in a sense by talking about the change, he's conceded to, sorry, I'm walking outside in the Bay Area and two cars actually just drove by. Um, it's interesting your comment on the first half of that, that he 
by admitting the change has in turn, you know, shared that that was an issue. Um, maybe that was obvious um, to everyone already, but that's that's an interesting observation. That's why you're the sleuth reporter that, you know, once dominated the, the print bylines at Salt Lake Tribune, okay. the Orange County Breeze, and the Daily Breeze, and other brilliant places along the way. The Orange um, County Breeze? You're making papers up now. Well, I know, but that's a beautiful concept, the Orange County oh, Breeze. Oh, yeah, you right? want to experience that. <laughs> um, so, it might have been called the Daily Breeze. Didn't you write for, did you write for the Daily Breeze? Yes. Okay. That's not bad that I remember that, huh? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Rudy's evolving. I thought Rudy... Um, you know, he's 27, and um, I think he's learning in all aspects of life, probably, how to interact with people and get along at a different level. And, um, you know, stardom leads to different personality traits, and the pressure of stardom leads to different personality traits. And so I, I, the, the core on Rudy that I think is why everything has a chance to move forward is he's a good person, like a really good person. Um, and so his actions are driven by, you know, quest for greatness and maybe personal stardom. Um, but the core of who he is in all of this is a really outstanding, caring, good, smart person. Um, I feel very comfortable that I'd be, um, from, and, and I, and, you know, some of the things that I, Use to equate that I'll share that are probably a little insider. A lot of how he deals with some of the coaches' kids, like he's the favorite. Maybe not, you know. Maybe that's unfair to someone else, but he's, you know, like he's incredible with these young kids because he's because he's not as naturally selfish as it might be perceived, and because he is caring, and because he does have a heart. Um, and I and he and he does like to be loved and cared about. Um, and so I think that those, I think to me, that's a, that's an insight that I probably have that I think is important to know who he is as a person. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, one thing that they used to tell us about uh, defending we haven't heard as much about, and this is why I think uh, that they want the bigger defender. It might be easier to find a guy who's six three or six four who can really defend, and that'll help you in some situations. But you know, with Dante Exum, they always used to say, even when he gets beat, he's long enough to bother the shot from a guy that's gotten past him, who's had to pull up. And so mm-hmm. I assume when they want to defend an elite guard, and okay, just say Murray, just because we just saw him, as he comes around the pick, that six nine can probably reach up and maybe still get a piece of the shot or alter the shot. You know, Murray will Defend, be aware of this guy from behind. behind. Yeah. If necessary, yeah, if you're going over the point. top of a pick. And so that's why I thought they're looking for a bigger guy. Here's the thing. Do they develop that guy? Is it somebody who's stashed on a bench and nobody realizes, hey, he's about ready to break out, get him now? Is it uh, where are they going to get the money? If it's someone who's established, who's making money? If it's a trade, who do they have to give up? And does that create a hole somewhere else on the roster? I mean, these are all questions they have to answer. And I don't know that there are any good answers to those questions. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. That's a it's a good observation. I think that's probably, you know, Mike and Donovan are are just a little are are just little. Um, though frankly, Jamal was guarded by Royce and Joe most of the time. Joe's always been able to do that. Now, at some point, Joe at thirty turns thirty three, like in about three weeks, I think. Um, 
you know, at some point he loses a step and then he's not able to do that anymore. Um, he doesn't lose the height, but he does lose the ability to stay close enough. Um, and maybe there's some acknowledgement. You know, I think, I think there's a got to be a question. What's fair to ask of Joe at 33 um, as he evolves and, and moves to, to the, you know, 33 is kind of a magic number in this league. Um, now these guys are all in such great shape and they've all gotten better. The guys have exceeded, some guys have exceeded that. Um, but that's usually a drop. Now Joe's unique in the sense that he has not played as much NBA basketball and maybe doesn't have as many minutes. Um, for those that are out there thinking to themselves, well, Joe's not an athlete, so if he loses a step, it doesn't matter. I actually believe 100% the other way. That players that aren't elite athletes, I, first two things I think is that Joe's actually a much better athlete than we give him credit. Um, and two, that the, those that are, that there's a spectrum by which you can be an NBA player, and if you slip out of that spectrum, it's over. That's what happened to Memo, what happened to Boozer. I mean, those are guys whose careers ended pretty fast. Um, so I think there's a level, or maybe that also that defenders to relieve some of that burden on Joe. We, Joe's our you know our second most likely guy to be guarding a primary offensive player. I'm not sure that's something that's fair to ask him at 33 and beyond. Have we seen that the ball needs to be in Donovan's hands more? I think so. Um, I you know I don't know that um, I don't know I don't know we want to change who we are as a team. Right, we're one of the three teams in the NBA that had a thousand pick and rolls coming from three different guys. So we had Ingles, Conley, and Donovan, Oklahoma City had Chris Paul, uh, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder. Those were the only teams that had that in the league. Uh, I'm not sure we want to change that. Um, but I think it's clear that Donovan is the you know at 6-1 and now seeing the ball floor a little bit better and evolving. Um, and with the way the game is changing, you know, um, is the primary ball handler. Um, you know, he's, you know, Kemba's always been a point guard, but, you know, there, there's plenty of guys that kind of score a lot. As the, Kyle Lowry, um, you know, Donovan and Kyle Lowry are probably closer in in who they are. Uh, if you remember, Lowry was at Villanova with three guys and didn't handle a great deal and really had to evolve into a point guard and into his NBA career. is pretty special now. So, uh, yeah, I think he, I think he has to become primary ball handler I, I don't have it in front of me um, I think he went from you know like 36% of his time in the regular season as a point guard up from like 24% last year up to like 46 this year I'm making these up but it's the concept's right so I would expect that's up at 60 something and and then Mike and Joe are the other ball handlers and depending on the time of the game um, either collectively or not I don't know so I thought that that is going to be the way things trend in the fourth quarter in the playoffs, but to avoid wearing him out, I thought that Joe and Mike would still run a lot of pick and rolls, but the Jazz would end up looking very... In the first three quarters, that whoever runs it might be hunting uh, you know, the worst defender on the other team, kind of keep the mileage off of Donovan a little bit, but then in fourth quarters of competitive games and in the playoffs, Donovan, 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 Donovan. A steady dose of Donovan. <laughs> so you're pretty good today. You must have like watched this league for like 30 years and covered it for like a long time. Um, I think that's again another great point. I do think we're forgetting we have Boyan Bogdanovich. 
right? So, you know, part of the reason why Donovan had the ball in his hand so much and had such a huge usage burden in the playoffs is we were missing our second leading scorer, scores 20 points a game. Um, so there's an element where I think that, by definition, relieves some of that burden on him. Um, I think the most interesting one to me, actually, in some of this conversation is what position does Boyan Bogdanovich play next year? Right, so he was a four for us this year, which worked pretty well. If you slide him to a three, we get big fast. Right, so if that, is, that defender's actually a, a type of a four, right, so it's a six eight instead of a six nine, you can play him anywhere between two through four. Um, we just got really big. Right, now we're, now we're, instead of being an inch or too short on every position, we're actually an inch or too big at every position. Um, and then that impacts who your ball handlers are and who's on the floor. Joe um, and Boyan on the floor together was not a great mix this year. Um, it's worth noting, by the way, I mean, it worked in the playoffs, and this is a great tribute to Donovan. When Donovan was on the floor without Mike Conley and Joe Ingles in the regular season, I think we were about negative three. So, that, I mean, I think he took a step during the playoffs, but it's just this bigger question of, like, how you involve, how you evaluate bubble ball and how many decisions you're willing to make off what you saw in a bubble, particularly when the first eight seeding games were unique in their own right, and then the next set of games were only against one opponent. And so, you know, had Donovan being enveloped by Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, would and had struggled, would we, you know, would we be as confident that he's the sole ball handler? And he did have, like, nine turnovers in the last game. So, I don't – I. You know, I think it's the presiding feeling that he's going to have the ball in his hands more. I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's going to be as easy a transition as everyone thinks it is. So if Bogey is the three, is the four on the roster? Probably not under that circumstance. I can't think of who it would be. I mean, part of the reason Bogey played the four was because we needed, you know, Joe played, Joe, 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 they didn't really want to have to play the four because they thought it would wear him down. And I think they're right. And they were conscious of having Royce guard some of the four so that Boyan wasn't worn down during the year. And they're right. Um, so the only question, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that um, the four would be on the roster at this point if, that's, um, if you're going that direction. So if you're going to come up with uh, money to get someone who's really pretty good, who's going to play the four and play a lot of minutes, uh, if they don't sign Clarkson, um, could they move Ed Davis, who has another year left at $5 million? There are no other obvious moves to make without creating another hole. I mean, obviously you can move one of the other guys, but that just you know, then you miss what that guy's bringing you. Uh, there are no other obvious moves there. So how do you solve that dilemma? Yeah, I mean, I think you just touched on it. Um, again, I, um, I'm not sure why I'm on this show other than just to be the, you know, the sounding board for David James's brilliant ideas today. Um, Me too, for that matter. Uh, right. I mean, PK, you've made a living off it. Um, so <laughs> everyone thinks it's the opposite. Everyone thinks it's this DJ is the sounding board for PK's brilliance. But maybe, big mystery, yeah. more tonight on right. two. Oh, I know. Right. I know it. I know. Uh, actually, it w- that would have to be a much longer deep dive, so that would be more tonight at 1030 on KMYU. There you go. Um, <laughs> Not a kid. <laughs> um, so, um, it's all high school uh, football tonight, though, David, as you well know. Oh, did I hear fall. that we had a high school football game canceled because of COVID? 
I've had a couple. I've had a couple. Yeah, oh, maybe th- maybe more than a couple, but yeah, a handful. We'll leave it at that. Oh, oh. I know well, Weber. Weber. Are they not, Weber, are they Bingham, not announcing why they're getting canceled? No, Weber Bingham Week One was because of COVID, and then there was a Cypress game. Uh, and there may have been a couple others, but those are just that, that jumps out at me. Most of them, have, the, oh. the vast majority, have been played. Oh, it's good. No, I mean, it's just it. we're all getting new data points every day, right? It's pretty interesting, right? The NFL just went off yesterday. And Outdoors is safer to... than indoors, David. Mask yep. up. Seems to be the case. I'm, I'm in Northern California right now. They're, everyone's masked up. <laughs> um, That's just either because of, of the air or because of the. Yeah, yeah, either because of the air or because of COVID. Um, you know, how do you find that big. Um, uh, I think it's complicated, right? I, I, um, yeah, if you're doing it through free agency, you're doing it in a manner that you're doing it without Jordan Clarkson on your roster, so that's painful. Um, if you're doing it via trade, then as it's, you know, as everyone likes to do unless they're playing fantasy, you're actually giving up something of value. They talked about extending the bench, too. Uh, is there anybody there? that you think is immediately worthy that can step in and whether it's uh, rotation spot seven or eight, whatever it might be that they've got somebody or somebody's in mind who can do that. I think that having a bench is going to be really almost impossible. So like if you're paying Mike 30 and you're paying Rudy 30 and then Donovan's extension doesn't kick in for a year, or does it kick in right away? I'd have to look at the cap on that. I'm I'm looking. Donovan's committed for the next year at five point two million. Okay, so you're fine, right? But like Conley's at thirty, Rudy's at thirty. What's boy? If you have in front of you, Boyan's. I do. What? So so Conley is at thirty four and a half. Gobert's okay, at twenty six and a half. So and then he signs an extension. That's sixty-one, but it'll kick in the next year. So that's okay. sixty-one. You throw Bogdanovich in; he's at almost eighteen. So, so that's, that's 79, eight, 79 eight. million. Joe Ingles. is about just a shade under eleven. So now you're right. at ninety million for four guys. And Royce is at eight, right? Yes. Okay, so you're at a hundred million on five guys, six guys, five guys. Yeah. You know what I, your bench has got your bench has got to be minimum players. So I think what PK is getting at is: Are you buying Mieoni? Are you buying Juwan yeah, I mean, Morgan, Rajon Tucker? Are any of these guys going to make the leap in the next step? The way we've seen Royce O'Neal turn himself from a million dollar player into an eight or nine million dollar player. So I think that's you know to the credit of this organization and the, and the front office and the coaching staff and the combined effort. I think we've been able to do that, and we better be able to do it again. You know, are we going to be able to find somebody in Europe? Um, which is a funky game because Europe basketball is a little weird. So our scouting over there better be, you know, Richard Smith leads that, and it better be incredible right now because it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and then can you find a draft pick um, at 23 or whatever we're drafting that maybe fits that a little bit? And then is there someone, you know, that you're scouting? Is, I mean, this you're going to find out who's good scouting this year. Like, I'll always forever look at the 2020 NBA draft and those front offices that had a good day are the ones that were ahead of the game, right? That weren't waiting on workouts, that weren't waiting on the last second, but they were ahead of the game. That's the signature of who Dennis Lindsay's always been is the massive preparation and the work that he puts in with his group. And so this is a time for them to shine with their advanced preparation and being ahead of the game because this is where you get rewarded. Um, but I do think that, you know, Mia One and Jarrell Brantley and Rajon Tucker and 
um, Jawan Morgan are going to have to be that bench unit that's been extended. And they've done a nice job with the G League in finding those players, and now it's going to be an interesting step to see. You know, they're all older. They all played a lot of college. They all should advance faster. Um, but they're all second-round draft picks, right? So if they were if they were brilliant, elite-level talent, they wouldn't have been there at 50-whatever on the draft board. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, so, they're, you know, it's interesting. Darrell Brantley is the one that's most interesting to me. His skill set is just is unique and different than what a player that's – and the size is different and unique. And so trying to figure out how to use him, I – I'd be curious to see whether or not, and I don't know how you ever try this out and trying something out strange with a bench player is kind of contrary. It's why those type of players actually don't make it in the league because no one's going to do this. But I'd be curious to let him play center and have him handle the ball. Almost like a mini Draymond Green off the bench and you just switch one through five for the eight minutes of your bench unit and and see what happens. He's, he's, he's real. he's, I don't know if he's special enough to do that, though. Like, why would you, you know, why would you flip your entire style of play for six minutes because of your ninth guy? It's a stupid concept for me, but you know, in a vacuum, I'd be interested in seeing that. But I, and they did it, frankly, in the seeding games. They had him handle the ball, and they they did, they didn't play him at the five. They played him at the four. But he, you know, I'd be curious to see him at the five as a mini Draymond Green type, where we just invert the offense and and have him go and lead it and then multiple other ball handlers on the floor um, because that's what his strengths are now. You know, the concern on that, I'm sorry, I'm babbling spending a lot of time on Darrell Brantley, but it, it's the Julius Randle rule where Julius Randle's a nice player and does a lot of unique things for a player that size. And I once had a scout said to me, it's great that he does all those unique things and it's super that he's got all these you know skills that are unusual for a 6'9 guy, but there's somebody on your roster who should be doing every single one of those things other than Julius Randle and does them better. And so every time he's doing it, somebody else should be, and that might be the case too with Darrell Brantley. So that's the kind of thing that you would normally try in November and December, except uh, this season we might not have basketball in November and December. Have you heard anything as far as, hey, they're going to start this you know, a week before Christmas, or they're going to start this a week before MLK Day, or they're going to start this at some other point? Do you know when the next well, season is starting? Didn't Adam, didn't Adam come out yesterday? I saw him with the draft probably in November. So I saw a Bleacher Report story that we wouldn't be starting any earlier than Christmas. I thought that was off an Adam Silver quote. All right, I will hunt that down. Yeah, Um, it's there. I saw it too. So wouldn't be starting earlier than Christmas, but I I don't think we're starting at Christmas. I mean, but but I don't understand. So let's, let's be just, totally clear now okay the bubble is for the bubble has been successful and it was for a lot of reasons and it, it's been really great the, the next decisions are about money like the bubble may have also been about money largely about money it was also about finishing the season it's also getting back to normalcy the president pushed the professional sport leagues to go got them all the tests they needed um you know there were a lot of factors you know get the league back not cancel the entire season not have a salary gap like this next one's about like getting financially viable, um, which means having some sort of fans in the stands. Now, is that five thousand people in visit arena? And and I'm actually a believer um, that with that ratcheted up demand, that many teams could probably still get close to I don't know sixty to eighty percent of their gate with thirty percent of their twenty percent of their fans. Um, 
But I think that, you know, assume that the arena has 5,000 people in it. How can we do that? Is there going to be a mechanism to do that in January or February that is different than in December? To me, I, I haven't seen that yet. It's why I actually think all these data points are so important right now. The fact that Major League Baseball is traveling across the country right now and seemingly has the COVID breakouts under control. The NFL is about to travel. Okay. Well, then let's see. Um, I thought Dennis Lindsay had, and and then Baxter Holmes wrote an article that, you know, maybe you're going to actually just to try to limit travel in this environment and help players. Maybe you're going to put four teams in a little area for a time and they're going to go play three games. Um in some different way, but that would it, that would not help your revenue because then not everyone's getting home games. So I, I don't know. Um, our start date is going to be predicated on when it's best to get fans in the building, and I don't know why that's different, frankly, in January, February, or March. But um, if it is, then that's when we'll start. David, we appreciate the time. We got to run, but thanks for coming on with us. You were really on your game today. I mean, like. It reminds me of the late, great Tom Nasalki, who used to say, like, when a guy comes in the league, his body will perform 78 out of 82 games, like he's at his peak. And then as he gets older and really on the downside of his career, that every now and then, like, you know, they'll find it again. That's the day where they go put up their 34 or their 36 points um, because they know their body's right that day and they know it might not be for long. It's kind of your aging stage where you are with your brain. Like, that must feel great to be back at your peak today. I was blood doping with Lance Armstrong. I feel great. Okay. All right. Good. Don't see why not. Gross. (laughs) Thank you, David. There's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. When we come back, Joe Ingles. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome him back from the bubble. Joe Ingalls. Joe, good morning. Good morning. What's it like to be out in the world again? Or, you know, at least (laughs) at home, locked away from the pandemic. But nonetheless, out of the bubble. Um, I mean, obviously, you you have kind of mixed kind of extremely kind of frustrating and, and disappointing at, at the start when you when we first kind of left and um, kind of we knew we were packing up or whatever to come home and um, on the flip side of that to, to be away from my, my family for the longest I'd ever been away and, and not be with the kids and um, be there to help a heavily pregnant wife um, was, was awesome to, to get back and to, to have the kids 
come to the airport and stuff like that, it um, obviously makes you realise what's what's really important. But obviously, like I said, on the flip side, it's still it's still disappointing because we we went there with with goals in mind, obviously to, to get as far as we can, and obviously that's um, all the way, and then we came up short. So you, you kind of back to the drawing board of. Um, what we need to do individually and as, as a team to, to keep getting better and better. You talk about better and better. I remember this, well, not this time last year, but when the season ended last year, before you headed back down to Australia, you talked about working on your offhand and all this stuff. I'm wondering now, how is your training going to be? Because every year you knew, okay, this is when the season starts, this is when I'm coming yeah. back to Utah and all this stuff. Now this year you really have no idea. Yeah, it's, um, I was actually just talking to Renee about it the other day. I was like, yeah, we, we usually finish at, at whatever point of the year and you know, like, hey, I've got a month to, to relax or whatever it is. And then, um, I've got to do X, Y, and Z and, and obviously start working out, get back in shape, like what, whatever it is. But there's always, um, as bas- I said it at the start of the pandemic too, as basketballers and, and a lot of professional sports set into a, a pretty routinely kind of set schedule like it's you practice you have an off season you go back into season you play with the national team like whatever it is you fly home or go back to your hometown and um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be difficult I guess to just navigate exactly um, kind of when and how and what we need to do so um, I mean we've got a, a pretty unreal um, medical team and all that that I think did an amazing job in the pandemic time to have us ready to play. I think all our guys came back um, in really good shape. I think guys were, were ready to play. They were they were fit and healthy and um, obviously kind of nothing too crazy injuries-wise. Obviously, Ed did his, his knee in that last game. But, um, yeah, they did a, a pretty good job overall. So they'll have us, have us ready to go. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird time, I guess. So as you uh, look back, you know, I, I think Jazz fans went to that playoff series, honestly, with pretty low expectations. But at 3-1, they obviously had pretty high expectations. And then at 4-3, they were wildly disappointed. It was a total roller coaster. Uh, why do you think it got away? Well, they won more games than I <laughs> <laughs> No, I won't, I won't give you that one. Um, no, I, I think we, I mean, we were confident, uh, I think, when you're in the playoffs, you, you conf- I mean, you're one of the, the top eight teams in, in your conference or whatever. So, so you're pretty confident going in, kind of regardless. I feel like hey, Portland would have been confident going in as an eight seed prior to that. Um, I mean, we, we were confident regardless who we matched up with. Um, I think we, we we matched up with them fairly well. Obviously, we we got a good lead, and and uh, I think that whatever game it was uh, the number um, we had that lead and I, I don't think we settled I don't think we've ever been a team that's kind of just thought we were going to win I don't think we've um, since, since I've been here especially walked into a game assuming that we were going to win um, but I think we, we we probably relaxed a little bit we were up 15 and, and we were probably a few possessions away from to get down to 20 maybe they shut it down and if it doesn't um, they get it to 10 they, they've got it's I mean, even in, it was, I think it was like Grant and then Torrey Craig or someone that hit the two threes to get it under 10. So um, it's kind of the people you want shooting rather than Jokic and Murray, but they made them, they got going. And um, 
obviously after winning that game, being down that they were they were super super confident, and um, I think we went into the rest of those games feeling confident. I think we knew what we had to do, and um, I, I, we didn't. I guess, I guess we didn't do it to, to a high enough level to, to close out. So um, it obviously sucks because you, you like you said, being up three one, you, you'd be fairly confident to, to win one of those kind of last three games, but but we didn't and. Um, like I said before, it's it's stuff that now we, we look and learn, and we, we we've got to got to make sure we're better um, in certain situations next year to to, to not have that happen again because it it sucks coming coming home early. I don't know if you've heard, but after Game 7 lost, Donovan addressed the media in the Zoom press conference, and it was one of the better media sessions following a very uh, heartbreaking loss in terms of that conviction of this won't happen again, we'll get better and all that. Uh, did you hear it? And, but even if you didn't, uh, what the thought about his conviction to improve individually and as a team? Yeah, I mean, uh, it probably sounds stupid, but you don't really have a choice. It's what we, it's what we do. It's what we love to do. Um, we obviously are in a in an unbelievably fortunate position. What we make money wise, and we can spend the time on our on our bodies and our and our game and, and all that to, to keep getting better. And um, I think, I mean, you guys know, and, and fans that have kind of watched closely enough, the the development of of guys that have come here and, and spent a few years here has, has been pretty un- unbelievable. Um, You've got undrafted guys. You've got guys that were were late first round. You've got guys second round. Like every year, there's um, improvement, and that's a credit, obviously, to the to Quinn and, and the coaching staff, but also um, wanting to do it for, for wanting to get better, for wanting to improve. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's what we have to do. It's um, you, you have to get better individually. I think. I think as a as a as a basketball player, as a competitor, you, yeah, everybody wants to do that. Um, and then obviously, as as a team, you, you want to keep getting better as a group. I think obviously we didn't have have Boyan, but I think as a as a group, we we started kind of playing a little bit better together. We we figured out um, different things. We, we obviously Mike kind of got himself going a little bit. So I think it's it is exciting because you, you throw Boyan back into what we were doing, and, and obviously up three one and. Um, uh, very aware that we, we lost that series but to have that lead against a, another good team and still not have one of your I think what are the average 20 points a game it, it does make it a little bit different so um, I mean being with the Jazz for, for however long now I've, I've been here I, I know they're committed to, to getting better and the team getting better and um, like I said we, we don't have a choice it's, it's what we need to do if we want to keep um, keep improving and, and winning that's it's what we're uh, at the end of the day. It's what we're all here to do is to, to win games. So, Joe, you have added a lot of different things to your game over the years. You're going to turn 33 here in a couple weeks. You know, you're you're not an age where you're going to run did you, faster. Did you look that up? Did you look that up this morning? Uh, David Locke mentioned it, and I did look it up to make sure he was right and he was spot on. Uh, David, of course he did. Right? Uh, I got it from you. But you know, you're not going to run fast. You're not going to jump higher. But you can still get more skilled. And I'm thinking as the game evolves and everybody needs to complement whatever, you know, can make their teammates better, especially someone who's as gifted as Donovan. And I'm thinking you're already an excellent three-point shooter. So bring this up with Quinn. I'm going to try to speak this into existence in the universe, Joe. 
I think that whole logo Lillard, the Steph Curry 30-35 footer, you need to work on that. It spreads the floor even more. Defense has already proven they're not leaving you. They're sticking with you wherever you go and whatever else happens, happens. So you might as well drag them 35 feet from the hoop. Make them respect you, Joe. Start draining that shot. What do you think? Uh... I've stood in that spot before. I know you've probably stood in that spot. It's a long, long way to throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean it's obviously I'm very well aware of of who I am as a player and, and what I can improve on and, and what I like not not can't but what it, what it, it like you said I'm not going to be sprinting any quicker. I'm probably not going to jump any higher. But um, uh, I think overall skill wise, I can obviously keep improving. Um, I'm going to try some new things out this off season with some different workouts and stuff, and, and see if it um, will, will I don't know, help help my body. Um, I think as as kind of sounds stupid because I have played however many kind of consecutive games, but I you, as the season goes on, you have little niggles, you have sore spots, you, you have little things here and there, and and one of mine is is my knees, like tendonitis in my knees, and so I think I've always been able to deal with it, and 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 stay on top of it but I think um, trying some different things I, I can probably get rid of it completely so little things like that um, obviously on court I, I, I still believe um, like you said I, I believe I'm a good shooter um, I do want to shoot even more consistently I don't want to have the games where you go like one for five I want to be be consistent that, that when I get a good look that I, I'm, I'm obviously confident enough to make it but, but I know in my mind that it, it's going to go in and um, and defensively, I think defensively you want to just keep keep getting better at little things, staying in front of guys. Um, obviously, with with Rudy and, and doing what he does down there, you, you want to um, you want to help him. You want to make it easier for for Donovan. You want to make it for all these guys um, or, or kind of the, the superstars, the, the main guys in our team. But you want to make it easier for him. So um, I haven't sat down with, with Quinn or anything yet, but but I will at some point and, and see what he thinks and. Um, yeah, just blend all these different things in. But um, uh, I feel really confident going to my right now, which which I wasn't kind of like you said going into last off season. Um, obviously, I'll keep working on that. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of little things um, basketball wise and, and body wise. And then, um, like I said, obviously I'll speak to, to Quinn as well and, and get his perspective on it. And, and have no doubt, like I, I'm very confident and uh, believe that I can come back better than I was this year as well. With a wife who's expecting a child, I assume you're going to be playing it close to the home and you're not going to be traveling as much, so uh, you won't be going down to Australia. I don't know, maybe you are, but I don't think you are. So you'll be here for the entire time. Will that help with your off-season training? Definitely. Um, I talked about that with Renee. She probably talked to, to, to me about it, actually. But um, uh, just that, that consistency um, to, to not be on a plane, not trying to get a, like trying to find a gym, Trying to find someone to rebound for you or work out with, got like trying to play one on one or five on five. Obviously, Melbourne is a bit easier because you, you know, I do have a bit more of a routine I can get. But to to, to be able to stay here and not not to any interest of you guys, but how comfortable our children are and Miller's kind of completely coming out of her shell from this. Kind of little shy girl, and and a part of it I think is the the 
extremely confident and comfortable at her school that she's at. Jacob's therapy has gone off the charts and, and his development's just been, been unreal. So um, a part of it is that, the, the kids and how happy they are. And, and obviously Renee's 29 weeks um, yesterday. So that's kind of coming up pretty quick. And, and then, yeah, just the, the no travel, the consistency for, for me to be able to drive down to, to um, Zion's Bank Arena or whatever it's called and... Um, and work out and just be in a routine, it, it makes it a lot easier. So I'm, I'm very confident, um, like I said, that, that I can, can improve and improve at a, at a high level because I am going to be here and be in a, a really good routine. So it seems pretty clear here that you're adjusting your priorities. You are going to retire to Utah and you're going to kick PK and I off the air and take over our show, aren't you? I mean, I've, I've always planned and wanted to only play for the Jazz and, and retire here. Obviously, part of that is not up to me. Um, a part of that is, is obviously out of my control, being a, a player and not a GM or, or president, or I don't actually know who really makes decisions or whatever. I guess it's a, them together or the organization, whatever, or Quinn if he doesn't want me. Um, but no, I've always, obviously, I've always, I've always wanted to stay here. I, I don't plan or, or want to go anywhere. And like I said, um, we're very comfortable here. The, the kids are, like I said, um, you can keep your jobs because when I retire, we're, we're going back to Australia. But, um, yeah, there's, there's there's no plan to leave. But, obviously, I'm also in the back of your mind. You're very well aware of the business of the NBA. Well, this coming weeks, Joe, if you re- rebound for me, I'll rebound for you. <laughs> I'll be fine. Thanks. I'll be shooting one shot every 10 minutes. Think, well, you know, with me, you just have to stand under the bucket and just get it out of the net and throw it back to me. You don't really need to rebound. Uh, I, I believe so, yeah. I'll believe that when I think, say it. Think of all the conditioning work you'd get, chasing down all those balls as they go to this wall and that wall and then the far end of the court. and That's all it would be. I'd be I would be fit. <laughs> I was a sharpshooter in the day, Joe. You should have seen me at your age. Yeah, in 1921 when there was no <laughs> in the In the last pandemic. <laughs> Let's get on the line right now. We'll run some suicides and see who can get better. If you want to get some, some money put up and, and put it towards our, our, our charity or whatever, I'll... I can't say what I was going to say on, on, on the air, but... <laughs> If you want to get that up and going, I'll happily meet you somewhere. <laughs> uh, okay, give me about six months to get in shape. <laughs> you didn't need more than that, buddy. <laughs> so our producer, Jake Hatch, shared a couple of interesting stats with us. He's very into the podcasting, and he uh, does some stuff in addition to his radio job here. And so he's checking the numbers, and he tells us that we are off the charts, not only among basketball and sports podcasts in Australia, but just overall. And he attributes it to everyone downloading your weekly visits with us. So you are you are turning us into international stars Are you in only Australia. just starting to realize this now? <laughs> yes, I am, as a matter of fact. I've been telling you this since the first show I came on. The only reason you guys are who you are is because of me. <laughs> okay, so here's did, the, he, did Jake also tell you about his COVID test he had to do? Uh, I know he's doing one. Uh, I didn't he, get any details. He texted on me it. yesterday and said, or whatever day he did it, um, and said it was. Now he knows what I was talking about on the radio of how bad it is because he had to go through it. Yep. So, yeah. 
as much as everyone said I was soft and whatever, and even Renee was like, "It's not that bad." Uh, just wait. He he, 100% agreed with me. So. You you told me, and Bowler too, you both said it was so awful. And when I had to have one a few months ago, I was prepared for you know them to, I don't know, chop off the top of my skull there's and a, scrape there's everything. A, there's, a different le- there's, there's different tests, though. That's the thing. The one, the one where they, like, barely tickle your nose. No, nope, like no, I didn't have that one. There's one with... Like um, the the swabs with like mm-hmm. that look like the ear cleaner things, like yep. the the co- cotton on there. Yeah. If you get if they pull out the ones with plastic on them, that's when you're in trouble. Yeah, that's where the one that's touching the top of your brain. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the other thing Jake told us, and I don't know how you explain this, but it turns out we're really big in Mongolia too. The downloads in Mongolia off the charts. Now you can't take credit I'm for that. Worldwide. <laughs> I'm worldwide. Played in Europe. I was born. I'm Australian. I'm obviously the biggest radio star in Utah. Um, it, I mean, no, nothing surprises you if I'm involved. <laughs> My podcast Jeez, blew up. Man. You should see the numbers we had this on our, guy's on head our getting so big. <laughs> Joe, hey, probably, I'm so I glad I discovered like you. Right now, don't I? Let me yeah. let me just backtrack to the quiet little kid who got dragged in from the Clippers and was on a non-guaranteed. Speaking of a quiet little kid, when 9-11 hit, you were down in Australia. How much do you remember at that time? I actually, pretty crazy, because I always wanted to go to America as a kid kind of thing. You you see it on whatever shows and TV, and I would always wanted to go. Um. My parents were divorced, so I was, I was with my mum, and I'd gotten up for school, which obviously is kind of first thing in the morning there, was kind of late afternoon or whatever here, um, and went in at, like, it was old school TV, I had to go and actually push the button on the TV to turn it on or whatever, and I remember that, yeah, there was like, it was on every channel, um, same as here, like, you have news shows on in the morning or whatever. Um, it was on every single channel, and I was just like watching it. Like, I mean, it was it was shocking. Obviously, and that was I, mean, I don't know how how old I was then, but I was very young. But it was like a shocking event for a, a little kid. And I'm like, oh, that's the country I wanted to to go and visit. Like, am I still? I think I remember my mum and dad. Like, can I still go and visit? Like, can we can we still go one day? And um, obviously. Long down the track later, I've, I'm living here now. But yeah, I, I remember. Like I remember, I remember the living room I was sitting in. I remember the chair. I remember how the TV was set up. I I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I think a lot of people do. Everybody who's uh, your age and older, I think, uh, remembers it really well. Yeah, it's uh, obviously a really, really sad time. So um, thankful for. For everyone that has uh, has played their part, and um, I mean, hopefully, it never happens again. Really. Yeah. Well, Joe, we appreciate a, a few minutes since you're going to be here in the off season. You, of course, have an open invitation anytime you'd like to join us and talk about basketball it's, or anything it's my random. Show. You'll have an open invitation for when <laughs> I feel like coming okay. on. All right. Well, when Yacht gets that 14 foot long Q-tip out of his brain, we'll have him call you and reschedule you. Okay. For sure, I'll be here. So, if anything, 
breaking news happens, let me know. If I get traded or something, make sure we uh, report it on here first before Woj gets it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Deny Woj. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. No worries, guys. Have a good day. There's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.